Good morning and good afternoon and good evening. So this uh, uh, Dharma talk is titled today, How, it's a how-to talk, which I rarely, <coughs> excuse me. I guess I, I guess I get quite a few of those, how to do this and that. So how to cut desire and attachment. And this comes, of course, from the fourth of the uh, four reminders, the homes, friends, wealth, and comforts of samsara, the constant torment of the three sufferings. Just like a feast before the executioner leads you to your death, will cut desire and attachment. I will cut desire and attachment. I will cut desire and attachment and attain enlightenment through exertion. So how in the hell do you cut desire and attachment? That's difficult. Because if we go at it directly and just try to what stop desiring, find the desire and notice the grasping, notice the desire, the wish for something else, the hope for something else. And if we try to intercept it there, it's like there's too much momentum already. Uh, there's too much uh, momentum from repetition of grasping since you were a child. I, I want that. I want that. I want milk. I want a toy. I want, I want, I want, I want that. I want that. I want that. Watch any child. You have a good, uh, that's why we hired Rumi. So you could watch them want stuff. You notice it's very primitive. But it's very sophisticated also. It's uh, If you try to substitute what he wants for something else, he's not about to settle for that. He knows what he wants. He wants that. So how do we cut desire and attachment? It sounds very uh, abrupt, and uh, who knows what the translation was originally from uh, <coughs> from the original sources for that. Pardon my throat clearing. It seems that what we need to do is to get very familiar with uh, uh, tanha or desire or wanting that. Want, wanting that and not wanting that. The other kind of desire is, is, to, is to want something to stay back, want something to, it's also grasping, grasping at uh, in a negative way. And each, each of us has our own uh, particular scenario, our, our own stage set, our own actors and, and comedians and uh, uh, tragedians and so on, all on stage, all pushing and pulling and for this, this needs to happen. This is wrong. This is not opening up in the right way. This is shutting down in the, in a way that is not going to. It's a constant comment, constant commentary on our uh, dilemma. Philosophers go towards it and explain. Historians explain. I quite often say, and I'll say now, don't explain anything. Don't explain unless it's forced on you by your thinking process, unless you uh, jump into some kind of explanation, justification, validation, elucidation, and all the other Asians about this. Anytime something arises, desire, anything other than just the feeling of the desire itself will take you in an area where you have, if you had the sharpest knife in the world, you couldn't cut desire because you have what? Ignore you, you're, you're, you dismissed it without even knowing you've done that. <clears throat> so you know where I'm going with this, and I'll circle back around several times probably, but it is always about awareness. It is always about the awareness of the desire, the awareness of the attachment. 
attachment. It's it's actually all of the uh, the areas in that area where you personally, any one of you, any one of me, hold on to something in a certain way. So it seems necessary to see the way we approach it, to see the approach, to see it, catch it, uh, uh, catch it as it's arising. And that's a uh, very difficult to do because once it's on its way, uh, it's the momentum. It's like when anger rises, you can't intercept anger. Um, it's, it's an interesting uh, precept. I think, what is it? The ninth uh, pre, uh, of the 10th, 10 grade precepts said, don't get angry. <laughs> That's always been extremely funny to me when I first heard it. It was even funny then. <clears throat> so cut desire and attachment. So if you can see the desire, if the, if the wish or the other desire, the doubled up act, aspect of desire, the desire not to desire, if, if you can see the way in which that works, then you start to see the weak points of that. You start to see the area that actually you could, you might be able to cut that. But you would have to first be very aware of the structure of your personal, any one of you, your personal way of moving away from what is real and authentic and genuine, which is not separate. The way you move away from that into some kind of authoritarian consciousness we call ego or the bully mind <clears throat> because we because of all the power there uh, we think that we can push ourselves we can be stubborn this is not discipline i'm not saying it isn't taught that way and wasn't taught that way uh, a couple thousand years ago of course it was different kind of society different structure a different way of talking <clears throat> and so if you if you work with this in a way that is uh, through uh, the three Prajna principles, Shila, Samadhi, and Prajna, sit down, look at it, and see what it is. So those sounds very simple. I like to talk about it that way because it's good to do the simplicity part since when we get into that labyrinth, it seems very, very complicated. So you need to return to square one. When I say that, this is one of Trump and Pache's. Once he heard that phrase, uh, got very attached to saying return to square one. And also, that seems to be the basic point. That was his phrase filler. So what do we do? We return to the cushion, sit down, hold still, and observe samadhi. Observe samadhi. Not to the observer and what is being observed. You will not, you will not have a witness there to witness the, the samadhi or the not separation of consciousness. If you do, then, then we've got that that little mini tyrant uh, in the seventh consciousness trying to get credit for something, trying to show up as, I'm, I just want, I won't mess with anything. I just want to be in there to witness your uh, non-duality. <clears throat> so it seems necessary to repeat this, to come back look at it over and over again and actually there's a there's a, a possibility there that one could rather than get rid of desire you could actually begin to uh, have uh, uh, the, the thought of enlightenment or bodhicitta or the, the mind of uh, uh, kindness and compassion could begin to arise within your mind stream for yourself if you're trying to abandon <laughs> your own suffering so that you can be a really nice person and go out and help others this is a uh, a very fancy form of delusion. And, you know, a person without help 
I'm not saying you couldn't do it, but without some kind of a structure or algorithm like Buddha Dharma Sangha, pretty pretty difficult to do that on your own. If if someone does uh, awaken on their own, so to speak, uh, and doesn't end up becoming a Pratyaka Buddha or a self-styled me, me, me kind of enlightenment and actually becomes a, a Buddha, then the causes and conditions that brought that about or allowed that to open in uh, such a uh, fruitful way, probably pretty hidden. <clears throat> so coming back to it, I would say that your sitting practice, notice, uh, witness the grasping. Uh, don't, don't cut. You, you can't cut... Uh, um, you can't cut down a tree to use a kind of a dumb metaphor. You can't cut down a tree that has been growing for years. And also you're uh, 300 feet away from it. Even if you have a 10 foot long knife or saw, you're too far away. Just using that as, a, as a, an image, we need to really get close to that negativity. And that is not comfortable because we, the, in the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the seventh consciousness, the mind that's looking for results, the mind that's trying to avoid failure, the mind that actually uh, um, wants uh, what something else in the form of enlightenment or in, in the form of uh, no more delusion, no more um, desire. It's a misunderstanding and it's, it's, a, it's a powerful one. Not that there aren't teachers and teachings uh, going way back, valid, very reputable, wonderful, enlightened masters that may try to teach in the way of trying to get you to actually cut the desire. <clears throat> My understanding of it is that you don't have to do anything with the desire, but don't take your eyes off from it and don't fuel it and don't justify it. That's a sneaky one there. Well, I'm working really hard on this, so it's okay if I do that. We're not trying to say you shouldn't want to have a good meal and enjoy yourself and want to have a, a clothes that fit and are comfortable and protection from the elements and so on. We're not, uh, we're not saying, I'm not saying that we shouldn't function in the world in that way in a relative way that's reasonable so it's the it's the desire and the attachment once we get it to hang on to it nothing lasts so our even if you have a, a, some of the most painful ones is you you have a, a mother that you're very attached to and she dies you have a teacher that you're very attached to and she dies so not always so not always so, you're not going to get your way particularly. So coming back to the uh, the uh, uh, title or the Dharma talk topic is how, how to cut desire and attachment. And then the last part of that is an attainment enlightenment through exertion. And the kind of exertion that I, the word that I like to use for that is persistence. Not so much a pushing, but but just return to the cushion, return to the study, return to the sangha. It's even said in our our vows, uh, I I vow to return to Buddha, uh, return to Dharma, return to sangha. It is done. Just continue to do that. You use that, even if it seems kind of, you know, maybe corny. But quite often, ego will come up with that kind of thing. Yeah, this is kind of foolish. Then people. Uh, uh, way back when I started practicing under Trungpa Rinpoche as, a, as my, my guru, uh, it was very, very um, 
it was very difficult for me to work with the, well, I'm going to say it directly, very kind of stupid images, the cartoon images of the deities and everything. It's irritating to see all these uh, beings that were had all kinds of fancy stuff. I've been studying Zen, <laughs> which is black and white. And then you find out later that uh, they have all kinds of brocade and fancy stuff too. They just didn't, it didn't show up in the States. It was over in Japan from the last thousand years or so. <clears throat> so it's not about our interpretation or our adaptations or our comments about how some, about the form that appears. It's about a stark, intense, all-pervading awareness of whatever's moving. Whatever's moving in your mind stream, that's it. That's the object of meditation for you. And if you if you disagree, then that's fine. You should trust yourself. Do whatever you need to do. But if you listen to me and if you give me the benefit of the doubt for a few minutes, look at what, what's moving. Sit down, hold still, watch the movement. And that part of uh, observing is uh, has a very open quality. There's not particularly a desire for something else or even for that. And there is, since there's no particular desire happening, there's also uh, the attachment part doesn't show up. If you go back through the 12 links and look at those uh, area of the uh, from the sixth uh, link on, a pretty good description of how something happens, contact, and we want it, and we go after it, and we hook up on it, and then we got it, and now uh, we baba, we become something else, some some other some other situation. It's just a, a way of talking about it. Who knows what happens? I certainly don't. So the whole idea of cutting could could apply for maybe for you know, 50 people that might be listening to this or might a few people might be magnetized or uh, or uh, inspired by this way of talking about uh, consciousness, the Dharma. And some people might have a, a literal kind of cutting activity that would happen, whereas another person wouldn't have that at all, wouldn't have that, that metaphor of the blade or a knife or something uh, would not um, would not resonate some other way, something else might show up, something about just seeing the, the gaps between things. If you see what it is, if you see what it is, no interpretation, just if you see what it is, there's nothing to do. But up until that point, you may have to cut some things. Just like if you're going to practice at the monastery, <clears throat> you're going to cut your your ties to some extent or at least reduce them or minimize them to all of your other activities that that happened before you became a practitioner you don't have to do away with them even the people who are fully ordained as monks you know we're not going to avoid our society we're in the society it's a crazy society you guys with me on that crazy society yeah it's, and it's it's and it may it may come to an end and there are people who will tell you, you need to get on the street and march with everybody else. And maybe you do. If you think you do, go for it. Keep me posted. But if you, I'm not going to argue with your what's happening in your mind stream. And you shouldn't either. If you haven't noticed the way that I teach, I don't give many orders. Other than just observe, train your mind, train your mind. This is not a belief. There's nothing to believe here. Uh, the way the way people believe things is based on a relative uh, 
understanding of this is valuable and that's not valuable. It's uh, subtle forms of negativity, positivity, duality. You don't have to do that. I'm, how, how do I know? I don't know. But if you uh, read uh, uh, Kobanchina Roshi's uh, translation of the, the mantra out of the, the Heart Sutra, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Everything just fell apart. Everything that looked like it was something just fell apart. And uh, then I think his final words, final uh, couple of words there were, was uh, nothing to do. And the last one was everything all at once. It's just an everything all at once is just a way of saying nothing is separate. It's just an incredibly powerful illusion that has us all entrained, entranced through our whole lifetime. If you see, <clears throat> to be very, very specific, if you see a particular area of the, your consciousness that, that arises in terms of wanting something else and you do anything with it, if you try to shut down on it, I don't want to desire that. You try to, uh, you misunderstand the cutting and think, think and you think or assume or uh, uh, conclude that you need to, Stop that. This is a misunderstanding. And it's not that uh, another teacher, another teaching might not help people in that way. Fine. But if you're listening to me, then we have a connection. Whatever our connection is, it's, it comes from your end. My connection is choiceless. I don't, I don't choose anybody. So you, you determine how this works for you. If I don't see you anymore, I, well, I might miss you, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to chase you down. So, if you can, if you if you can see the way anything arises in your mind stream, and you either want it or you don't want it. <clears throat> Very simply put, just just if you can, just stay with that. And when I say stay with it, I'm not saying maintain. If you look at its qualities and its parts. Anything that looks like one thing that's showing up, that's a, that's a, you're, you're imputing to use the fancy word. You are, you are imagining that. That's the imaginary nature. And the interesting thing about the imaginary nature is it will try to look like one thing. Well, it's just this because it's a, it's propaganda, but it's not. It is made up of countless numbers of parts. And if you begin to look at the parts, the aspects, you could start out. <clears throat> when I say how to do this, I'm going to give you uh, uh, something you've heard me say in many ways before. But how to do that is to whatever shows up, I don't, I want it. Rather than convert it, what you want immediately into anger because you're not getting it. Or immediately into distraction or, or, or disenchantment or delusion or all the other D words. Instead of doing that, just see the parts of that. Just see just witness, just be aware of what shows up as that dissatisfaction has a lot of snake eyes, a lot of uh, uh, shadows and, and interstices and connect, uh, connections that are coming apart and other connections that are coming together. It's, I call it texture, the texture of the feeling. And you can actually, uh, you can actually witness, you can witness, you can be aware of that 
the way in which that works. And then there's a possibility of rather than actual cutting, the cutting action may be more like the sword of Manjushri, that it's an invisible sword that has uh, invisible edges. But if something is struck with that invisible sword because of its fundamental nature of not being two, uh, it, it no longer can maintain some kind of separation that is based on right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death, any of the separations. It just comes apart and, and there, there, there aren't any shadows left. And it's not particularly a, a, a feeling of uh, joy or bliss or, or the lack of passion, aggression, and ignorance. Nothing is missing. Nothing is gathered. It's seen. You, see, you actually see it. I use the visual um, word, but you could also say you could hear it. You can smell it. You can feel it. You can taste it. And it's yours. I don't own it. I don't own anything. I'm not an owner. I can barely give a Dharma talk. If you'd been in, if you was able to hear what was happening in my mind 20 minutes ago, you'd be astonished that I could even do this. Or maybe not. Maybe you'd think, <laughs> whatever. He's always making stuff up. Wisdom. Wisdom is, is, uh, Co-emergent. When wisdom arises, if wisdom arises, then delusion arises at the same time. So you're not going to be able to cut that to shreds. If you have questions, I'd be happy to respond to them. Yes. Is um, is um, dissolving another way of looking at cutting? Bowing? Yes, it could. What if if the awareness itself will cut? The awareness itself will dissolve. The awareness will uh, itself just just aware, just aware. Uh, there's no nothing to be aware of. Uh, that's why it cuts. So that's why it dissolves. That's why it it, it takes apart the the, uh, the 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 self love the the pride of self the self love the self reference it, it just dismantles that whole structure just by it's just like a brilliant light in a room where there where even though there are things in the room because of the nature of light it does not have a source we we get our metaphor for light from the big ball of fire uh, off in the uh, distance that's where that shows up. But the nature of light itself has no source. There's no darkness. And it's not something you attain. It's something you realize. You actually realize it's always been that way. More? Dallas has a question. Dallas. <laughs> He asks, what about what is in your heart stream? If you have a lot of baloney in your heart stream, then if there's enough to make a sandwich, then I'd recommend you go ahead to do that. Not being disrespectful to you, 
but I have met you. I know you. I understand what you're dealing with. Don't go there. Stay with what arises. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall. What's happening in the heart stream is extra. So Cologne has a question. Mm -hmm. She asks, what was going through your mind 20 minutes ago? I can tell you, but you 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 won't you won't necessarily understand it. But I'll tell you anyway. Any, I'll, I, I will tell you in any case, nothing. Well, maybe a little bit like, what the hell's going on? Maybe that kind of thing. What am I going to do now? Not separate. You're not separate from anything. Anywhere. If you realize that, your personal life is pretty much shot in the ass. This doesn't mean you won't have a cup of coffee. It doesn't mean that you won't do individual things. I walked around the, around the yard and watered some of the trees in my underwear. That wasn't particularly an accomplishment, just something I did. But nothing was arising. I didn't even know I was going to be doing this. I completely, completely slipped my mind. Wendy has a question. Just Wendy. When we cut the energy of desire or of anything else, where does that energy go? It goes back to its original owner. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> You stopped stealing finally. You you finally understood the precepts. Anytime you think you think, you're you're stealing that energy from from the fundamental nature of everything, which is not separate. Shays on bowing. If we continuously abandon our awareness for our thoughts and opinions. Can we ever cut through desire and attachment? Yes, bowing. Yes, you can. You can't because the way you said, if we continue to do that, it's the awareness that you're doing that. It's not stopping it. Don't interfere with a moving train. Just watch the train. Nothing lasts. Eventually, it changes or stops or it opens up or you saw a part where where the the cut is just it's like your mind is like a hot butter knife. And it just goes right through it. It's choiceless and it is effortless. Effortless. But you have to do it. You have to see it. You can't imagine that it's doing it. Even though some trainings, especially in the, in the, the tantric tradition, uh, create imaginary passion, imaginary passion, imaginary passion, imaginary passion. Dissolve it, dissolve it, dissolve it. That's a valid way also. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. When we start taking responsibility for our feelings, does that stop us from taking things so personally? Bowing. I think over time, when you realize that the feelings don't belong to anybody. So the, how do you do that? The way I talk about responsibility is that you respond directly to whatever is happening. 
there doesn't need to be a me taking responsibility, blaming myself for my feelings or taking credit for my feelings or taking, uh, taking a kick in the ass for my feelings. So yes, it's just the ability to respond. Something happens, you're there. You see it, you smell it, you taste it, you feel it, you hear it, you think it. Nothing else, nothing extra. This is uh, the ability to respond, the responsibility. I could say it in a more precise and literal way, but you may not particularly care for it, and it might you might not even know what kind of questions to ask about it. But you're 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 to blame for everything. There isn't anything that isn't your fault. That's your fault. This is your fault. This is your fault. That's your fault. 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 Why? Because none of that is your fault. Not to. Anytime you say this. You say the opposite. Anytime you think this, you think the opposite. That's because the very nature of this reality is uh, relative truth is divided up. And here we are in the middle of it. Isn't it kind of amazing that you're a living being and you and you completely disappear at night into a who knows what, and then you wake back up and here you are. Now you, now you got to go take a shower. Who thought that up? How'd that come about? She's on. Yes. She's on buying that feels contrary to the belief in right and wrong. So how can we begin to mm -hmm. create some space around that um, defensiveness? Um, <clears throat> of course, it's general responses is Refuge in the Three Jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. It's an incredible formula for kind of catching you no matter what direction you go. If the, the teaching person doesn't catch you or stop you or point it out, uh, then the, 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 the wall gazing will do that. And if that doesn't do it, then just running into other people that are practicing the same thing with the same teacher and the same inspiration and are fully ordained as monks uh, that, you, that piss you off. As long as you, you as a monk, are getting upset or blaming others for how you're feeling, you've got some work to do. Now, I don't care how good of a Dharma teacher you are. I'm not talking to just to you specifically, anybody. Therefore, you're not going to see me uh, giving uh, Dharma transmission to anybody unless. They understand what this is, or at least understand it in a way that they're not going to make other people's lives miser miserable by blaming them. If you're having a feeling, that's yours. And when I say it's yours, not an ego yours, not yours is the self-centered aspect of it. Generosity is complete receiving, complete receiving. It makes me want to weep to say that, excuse me, but it makes me want to weep to say that to you because it's so obvious. And every one of you, including you, Jason, are shutting down on it. You're shutting it out. Don't shut it out. Don't shut it out. And how do you do that? You see the way you shut out. But if you see the way you shut out and you try to stop shutting out, you only, that way you have, you have 
emphasize the reality of that shutting out in such a way that you brought it into the level of relative truth and you try to manipulate it as if it were a, a fixing the lawnmower. So I'm saying all you have to do is see it. If you see it, because there isn't anyone seeing it, please ask your question, Jason. Jason Bond, can we see what this is and still... feel bad or defensive when we're accused of something? <laughs> There's any other way to do it. If someone gets upset with me, uh, I don't, I'm not like this floating surface of wisdom, you know, like, like oil slick on the water that doesn't know about the depth. No, there isn't any separation between you and anything. So therefore you may feel horrible feelings. You may have horrible feelings of, uh, different times I've had uh, students of mine that have misunderstood what I'm trying to do for them, with them, and they've accused me of stuff. And what do I do? I let them. I don't, I don't do too much in the way of defending. I might say, well, I'm sorry you're feeling that way. Good luck. So this doesn't mean that I uh, didn't do something wrong or say something that abraded uh, them or scared them or offended them or something. I'm not saying everybody's running away, but. Quite a few people, considering how I feel about them, how much I care about them and want to help them, and they're not ready for it yet. They're not ready for this kind of help. So therefore, they either run away or else they keep their distance and kind of check in with me now and then, like once a year, once every six months. That's okay. That's their business to do that. But you're not going to get rid of the emotions and the feelings. They could get, they could increase. Look at the vow. Look at the vow to be with all things. That means everything. All the negative feelings that you've ever thought or anyone has ever had uh, is coming your way. And it can knock you right off your feet. if You can't take it all at once. So there's still that, that, that filter that keeps you from seeing everything all at once. As, as uh, um, Kuan Yin, Avalokiteshvara, the sound observer, looked down on the suffering of the world and was overwhelmed. His Holiness the 16th Karmapa walking out on his balcony, I think it was in Hong Kong, way back in the 70s somewhere, and was so overwhelmed by um, what he saw, he collapsed. And all he saw was just millions of people in a huge city suffering. That doesn't mean that he Oh, see, this um, 16th uh, Karmapa, uh, he could just kind of shut off, uh, shut that off and on. No, he, you're at the mercy of the world from then on. And what am I saying? You could do that. Just do it. If there's a strong self that uh, operates out of fear, a strong self that operates out of uh, uh, intense desire for something else, then we come back to cut desire and attachment. And of course, the other line is attain enlightenment through uh, exertion. And that exertion is not lifting muscles or lifting weights. It's, it's just a strong attitude of, I'm going to see what this is. I'm going to see this. I am going to see this. Might feel like ego, but that's when uh, the very desire for uh, awakening uh, begins to transcend the awakening itself. It no longer is uh, a relative situation.
There is no one who awakens. Go ahead, please. What do you what do you mean when you said that you're not that important? Me? I said I wasn't important. When you said that to, to me, you said that to me that you're not that I like me, Chiazon, you said to me oh, I'm okay, Chiazon, yeah. well, you're, you're not, not that important. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that about myself. Of course I'm important. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that you're not that important? In reference to when I'm trying to understand or figure out how to yeah. not trigger or not be yes. this way or that. Yes, thank you. I'm ready to respond. It's not that there isn't someone there, but that someone that's there. Actually, it's not a criticism. It's just uh, it's literally you as a, as a separate being, an ego being, uh, a seventh consciousness being uh, with those four aspects of uh, self-pride, self-reference, uh, love of self, and... Uh, whatever that fourth one is. It's not that, that that doesn't come together and try to do stuff, but it's it's a failure. It's a setup. It's a setup because you're going to die. And everything's going to die. Everything that shows up is going away. So when I say you're not that important uh, in, in, in not, as a singularity, as a person. So therefore, uh, if you see that, then... Uh, uh, the 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 the, um, the duality of extreme arrogance and extreme humility are not two different things. There's no longer anything to locate. There's no longer anyone that locates anything. Even though there's a body mind complex that sits there on a cushion or sits here in a the chair, there isn't anyone. So when I say not that important, I'm just saying. Even though there's that importance in our mind, oh my gosh, what am I? This is this feels terrible. I feel I don't even know why I'm feeling so bad or so depressed or so this or so that. The causes and conditions that, that create any given emotion or feeling or hope or fear are untraceable. So you could just look at the bare surface of it. And then if you see the bare immediacy of any given situation without trying to find, find out why or uh, go on a, on a uh, uh, a witch hunt, uh, just look at the, the situation itself because that will take you into a labyrinth that you couldn't, you couldn't discover if you were going on a witch hunt. It will take you into the, into the fundamental dependent origination that comes about. And it's not about the history of something. About, well, this happened, my mother treated me this way, and my, I was uh, in the 13th century, I was, uh, uh, you know, I was tortured or hung by the neck. I'm not saying that those aren't part of it, but you don't necessarily Maybe in some cases, we don't necessarily have to go back and get rid of that or shut it down or take the power out of it. Perhaps. There's, there's no formula that's going to work. Even, even Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha is such a, a, a specific formula and yet very vague. Have you noticed how vague it is? Community, what's being talked about, and what she's saying. How's that going to help us? Yes. Greg has a question. Greg B. Greg Bowen, yes. <clears throat> Is yes. it okay to be miserable if I am okay with that? I ask as my miserable mood seems to have an effect on others around me. Thank you. That's their problem. I'm not saying saying you can just 
you know, walk through the living room and knock over the coffee table because you're feeling like crap. But I'm saying, uh, and you could even say, you could even apologize or say, sorry for my bad mood today. But you don't necessarily have to go in and try to be somebody else, try to change it into something else or be ashamed of yourself. You can, it's, it's just uh, it is a quality of the mind that can show up uh, in, in, in in personal way, like weather. It's pretty hard to tell someone who uh, has a has a migraine, uh, like some of us do. I don't, but some people do have intense migraine. So this is just weather. No, painful. It's painful. That that would be just like I would say about my back pain. It's just weather. No, it's pain. And what do you do with it? Insofar as you can, just receive it. Just receive. The causes and conditions that are behind that are probably untraceable. It, it's de it depends. It's not always so. There's no formula that's going to work. That's why the way that I teach is uh, pretty open-ended. Everybody I meet is some somebody else, is somebody totally different than I've ever met before. I, I don't have a particular protocol other than to say, train your mind. And then if you talk to me about it, I'll help you. I'll tell you how to do that. If you give me permission, if you don't, I'll just be your friend. I'll listen to you. But each person needs to do this differently. Some of you know, if, I, if I'm going to pick anybody out, but some people know that they're doing a practice nobody else is doing. Not particularly a sales pitch because they all fail. I'm sure you noticed. Katie has a question. Katie. I think she's on YouTube. I have observed deep into my feelings for some time, and what I am finding is deep seated anger at everyone. I can't breathe. How can I release this in a healthy way and stop being bound by my stop, anger? Stop trying to release it. You can't win that war. Stop trying to release the anger. Stop trying to cut the anger, release the anger. Don't work on something that you don't have a clear view of. What am I saying? I'm saying train your mind. This is not, we've been around here for millions of years, you know, thousands anyway. But here we are, and this particular, what do we call this, a moment where you're, uh, Katie, you're asking me a question. And my response is not just coming out of just an old man sitting here who thought up a bunch of really neat things to talk about. I'm just saying, I'm saying to you as uh, uh, straightforwardly as I can, you're going to have to train your mind. And that might mean spending a whole lot of time doing something that the, the, the ego mind is, thinks is a waste of time, your particular ego mind. And so what I'm saying is sit down, schedule it. If you, if you can't live at the monastery, you can do it in your house. Make a part of your house some kind of area that is, is a dedicated place, uh, an altar. So if you haven't done that already, which you probably have, but set it up. An hour a day is not going to do this. You all know this. An hour is not going to do it. It's going to have to be more than that, maybe a lot more. Sit down, hold still, and watch the movement so that you eventually, over time, Eventually, over time, the awareness by watching what moves, watching what moves, eventually the awareness begins to see the root of the anger. 
you can't think your way into this. If you start to think, you might as well, you're going another way and you might find some really interesting things. You might be able to write a book on psychology, especially if you're smart. You're very smart, not a compliment, but you're smart. So I would say uh, you don't have to do anything, just train your mind. And how do you do that? You see the, how untrained it is. If you sit down and hold still and you watch the thing, you watch your whole consciousness continue to dump on you this and that and this feeling and that feeling and going this direction, going that direction. Just observe. Do a lot of it. That's why we have block sitting. Do, do block sitting. Something that is a good form to sit down, hold still, do nothing for four hours. If you can't live in a monastery, then that's a good uh, approach to take. Yes. Her follow-up comment is, I'm exhausted. Well, then take a nap. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm saying, take some time off. Take some time off. And I'm literally saying, don't meditate for a week. So you get some contrast out of it. Instead of meditating a little bit, then just stop for a while. And but set up a form for it. Don't do it uh, casually or uh, some kind of impulse. And that you're, I've told other people to do this in different ways, different forums, because people come with different kinds of, uh, sh their resistance shows up in different ways. So, yes. so yeah. Bowen has a question. Certainly. So she asks, if an hour a day isn't going to do this, to quote you, how do we work with our situation if that's the most we can set aside? It's, it's a, it, it's a dependently arisen. So therefore, yes, and you're in a situation where you're, uh, married, have a job, and have two children. So your situation is going to be much different. You're not going to be able to carve out uh, four or five hours or something. Perhaps you know we could talk at it, talk about it. Uh, just you and I at some point. There's no requirement. It's up to you. We may, might be able to find a way to to work with that. That uh, might bring it all together in a lump, like a block sitting. If you could find some way to. Uh, get that time in where you're totally free of any uh, obligations for a four-hour period. Four hours seems to be uh, seems to be about an hour longer than three. Have you noticed that? Good idea. Three is not enough. Not for a block set. It's it's good. Sit three, and it's three hours of sitting, and it's still valid. But the crunch that comes in that last hour, and this is generally, I'm not saying that some people could sit two and a half hours and and have a have a, a a deep uh, uh, effect on training the mind to see more clearly. Of course it could. I'm just kind of generalizing. So maybe three hours is good. Anybody that's sitting three hours a day or three hours every other day and calling that a block set, I'm fine with that. Do whatever you want to do. Further questions? Maria. Do you encourage us to become familiar with grasping or any negativity? I'm just wondering, what is that familiarity? So it, it could be very uh, uncomfortable. It could be painful. But getting familiar because we might have spent the last 20, 30 years uh, hiding out from it, pushing it away. And now we're doing sitting meditation and we might have developed a way in sitting meditation to continue to get about it. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying it, it seems to be necessary to do quite a bit of sitting practice, excuse me, in order to um, 
to have that area that seems to be a boundary or barrier to seeing more deeply uh, to have that be seen through or become more transparent. Did I respond to your question in a way that's helpful or you have another one? Maria Bowing, uh, I'm wondering if there is any connection be between that familiarity and that overwhelmed, which you mentioned when you when you talk about, uh, um, I don't, I don't remember who was in Hong Kong on the balcony who was overwhelmed uh, by Wang, the suffering. Rang Jong Rigpi Dorje, the 16th Armapal. Yes, go ahead, please. So I'm, I'm wondering whether that familiarity can actually lead to this kind of overwhelm. Good. Uh, sometimes I get overwhelmed that I can't really stand up. But that doesn't mean I'm some kind of great being or some great bodhisattva. There isn't anyone. There is no solid being. As long as whatever is left here uh, continues to show up and people show up as students, I'll continue to talk. Seeing that there isn't anyone is... Uh, then there's no more reference point. The only reference point you have is everybody else. No guarantees of anything. You may practice the rest of your life. And as Trungpa Rinpoche once said, uh, you may not attain, attain enlightenment, but at least you'll stop being a nuisance to everyone. That's, that's a pretty direct quote, I think. I haven't managed to, that. I'm still not enlightened and I'm still bothersome to people. And I intend to keep it up. Any further questions? Take another question if you have it. Otherwise, we can close. It's noon, so we can certainly stop. Okay. And I'd just like to remind everybody about our uh, this Saturday is the all day. We'll be doing it virtually, but you can watch for on email or join us. Yes. So we can dedicate the merit from the monastery zenda. The monastery zenda. Okay. So take it over there, monastery zenda. We'll shut off our microphone. <clears throat> penetrating to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. directions the three worlds all buddhas all venerable ones bodhisattvas mahasattvas the great prajna paramita the buddhas and bodhisattvas are the ten directions and the three times please hear us 
Please come down out of the light and protect Sokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with life. 